0: Welcome to the BrokerCast, presented by Vertica Systems. The podcast is built for business brokers by business brokers. Hey, everybody, welcome back to a great episode of the Broker Cast. We're sitting down here, myself, Josh Factor, with Rob Jones. Rob Jones is an awesome, super duper broker out of the UK. And he happens to be one of our biggest fans over here at Vertica Systems. And Rob recently sold his company, Business Monkey, which is a great name for a company. And yes, he did do the sale because what, 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 good business broker wouldn't sell his own company. And now he has launched a new company, a new brokerage called Agilis Consulting. Um, And he's working on a number of other things and has many tricks up his sleeve. And today we're going to sit down and talk to Rob about his experience in the brokerage world um, overseas. Many of our listeners are U.S. based, um, some are overseas, but we're going to hear from Rob today a little bit more about what it's like brokering businesses over over the pond. So, Rob, what's going on? Welcome to the show. What's your story? Thanks. Sure.
1: Uh, where should I start? How I got into brokerage, or go even further back? I think I'll just won't bore you with the whole history of it. I joined the business brokerage sector just over two years ago now after having a career in, my corporate career was in retail. Then I went out into building and helping broken businesses, turning them around, getting them sale ready. So I handled quite a bit of my sales from a couple of businesses that I had and a few others that I got involved in. And then I had the opportunity to join business brokerage full time just over two years ago. And that first role was as a national sales director for a nationwide business brokerage here in the UK. And I spent 12 months with them learning the ropes, which I'm very, very quick at. So I got my head round it very quick. I saw the challenges, I saw all the opportunities that go with business brokerage. And then I had an opportunity to partner with a guy to launch a business from scratch, which you said, like you rightly said, with business monkey. So I took that through from launch all the way through to sale. We sold my part of the business, my shares in Business Monkey, to one of the franchisees that took over the mantle. So I negotiated that sale, like you quite rightly said, exited. And now I'm going to do it all again, this time
0: for myself. That's really, really awesome. And you've you've found also that having the right tools behind you, um, in order to manage your day to day life and make sure your sales and ev- and and your and everything is on 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 top of mind, has been very useful and very impactful for you, right?
1: That's exactly. It. This is funny enough, it was, this is what changed the optics in the monkey business. We were already with a CRM provider. We were already. You know, going down that route and then obviously I found yourself Vertica and went through the process with Vertica saw what they could do which was obviously light years ahead of whatever business broker software is doing so what we did was break that contract with that original CRM provider which took a lot of negotiating which we did and well you guys did. are
0: good at that Yes,
1: indeed. So we (laughs) moved over to Vertica, which changed the business overnight. It automated all the processes. It gave my brokers their time back because we the business monkey grew to over 30 brokers and sub-brokers. So it gave all the brokers time to talk to their customers, to do what they do best, negotiating. And obviously, when I started my business, Agilis, the first thing I did was get Vertica on board and put the backbone into this business as well.
0: That's really, really awesome, so when it comes to brokering businesses how you know you said you you've you've you're relatively new into this space, but you have a lot of experience, which is really cool um what would you say was one thing that you've learned just by jumping into this whole world of m and a and brokering? yeah it
1: has it's done historically here in the u k it's a very very lazy process it's
0: uh, that sums up a lot of things in the u k
1: Yes, indeed. But it's a very lazy process, which is wrong. It gives the MA game, the broker game, a very bad name because obviously people are churned through it and done. So what I did was obviously, and this is what I've done in my previous businesses as well, is you spot the pain point, you spot the gap, and then you solve it and all before you know it, you go in great guns and you're on to a winner. So that was the big thing I took out when I first got into business brokerage in the UK was... It's a very very lazy game. It's people are trying to take money for doing as little as possibly can,
2: and that's pretty much the overview of it. As an American, I find that very hard to comprehend because we're yeah. taught from the very, very 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 young: you work hard, you make money. You're lazy. Well. You, well. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was
0: gonna say I totally understand that because you know, if for all those who are listening to the show and and care or, or don't care, I don't care. We are based in Israel, Josh and I. I happen to be based in Israel. Um, not sure where Josh is. I think he's in New York. Um, but the 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 real estate market in Israel is the same as how the brokerage world is in the UK. They want to try to get as much money out of you for doing literally as minimal as possible. Like I know, for example, realtors who will charge you the real estate fee just for opening the door for you and letting you walk into the apartment, and then you're in a clause with them saying, "Oh, I showed you the apartment." They didn't do anything. They didn't do crap for me. So I totally understand the lazy, the lazy mind. I think it might be a European, Middle Eastern type of mindset honestly Um, but definitely in america it's very very much the opposite like what josh was saying people are hungry people want to make money and people will do whatever they can in this space to get out there and close those deals Um, and it's just funny the how how it works like that but it's cool that you changed that game though
1: yeah that's exactly it so what we're doing now in this uh, new business is we're doing away with all the barriers which people have to selling their business through a broker and it also takes away all the barriers making people that are selling their business stay with a broker because obviously when you sell and pitch that you're going to sell somebody's business you give them the valuation you fill them with all sorts and then the reality is the brokers in the uk go and throw it on a couple of advertising websites then they wait for any buyer inquiries to come through and if they turn then it works there's no preparation with that business. There's no getting them sale ready. It is literally just all about the listing. And then it's all about trying to get it over the line at the very end and nothing in between. So what we're doing now is very different. This new business is we're not taking upfront marketing fees off people. There's just no need for it. We need to cover the cost of the advertising. But there's no need for these 1000 2000 £5,000 marketing fees because they just go straight into the broker's back pocket. The same goes for the big commission at the end, especially when you're in the SME level of the market, when the brokers are now trying to sell a business for 30, 40, 50, even 80,000 pounds in that market space. And they're trying to negotiate a 5,000 pound completion commission on that, which once your legal fees have gone out of it and things, the broker ends up the best paid person out of the whole transaction, which is very, very wrong. So the new model is we don't have those end commissions either. And the real uh, market shaker is we're not putting anybody under contract. We're that confident that we'll value the business correctly, we'll market it correctly, we'll take the sellers through the process to get their business sale ready while we're advertising it and help them at the end without actually needing a commission, a marketing fee, or a stick i.e. a contract to keep them with us we are quite happy they'll
2: stick with us
0: that's cool really very, very cool josh do you have anything to add on this and anything to add on, on this kind of point
2: you know um i have a lot of experience in the business brokerage industry i was before i retired from business brokers broke business brokering i was doing it for about 15 years and i've come i've seen just about everything especially since the past ten years, I've been working in the technology service companies company for business brokers, and now I'm consulting with business brokers and helping them design their companies. I'll be honest with you; I've never seen anything like this before. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it it can really, it really it it has a huge amount of potential. I'm really interested in seeing how uh, Rob does with this. I think it I think it'll be great. That's awesome.
0: No, that's totally awesome. And how does does it feel that you actually brokered your own sale of your company? That had to be fun.
1: Yeah, it was. It's once you take, you know, you've got to remember because you've got to uh, extract yourself from the personal situation because it's one part of you, you're thinking like a seller, whereas, you know, you've put all this blood, sweat and tears into something for X amount of years. So, and you've got to take yourself into the broker end of the market. Well, there's no value in that, you know. Then you come back to this business has got potential to do that, and then you come back to your well, value you've got to value on the tangible. You pay yourself and a commission. The- oh yeah, Sorry, you- Josh? I said, did you pay yourself a commission? <laughs> of course, of course, I made sure what we did. All right, but yeah, it was it was very very good. But like I said previously, I've been on the sell side of the businesses where I sold a couple of my own businesses previously, one that operated internationally and one which was very UK-based. So I've been on the sales side of it, but this side of it when I was actually the broker as well as the seller and I had the understanding then of you know, where the emotions come in and then how to rationalize the emotions and try and maximize the value at the same time.
0: That's funny. That's really, really funny. But um, in terms of the sale, that must have been a record sale for you because, you know, everything was probably pretty much line him up and knock them down, no?
1: Yes, it was. As I said it was a, a situation which just arose. Like I said, it was one of the existing franchisees inside that business. He was the biggest franchisee, so it was the obvious choice. And we just got to the point, that, like I said, a few weeks ago when we were talking and it was a case of we're looking at the master franchise and then it just expanded from there to right let's just yeah do it i said i'm not against exiting businesses again i'm quite unique when i start a business i'm already thinking of how i'm going to exit this business so it was just earlier than i planned that's awesome
0: That's really really awesome. Now, when it comes to to brokering, um, and again, you you kind of learned this as you went. You've been you're not green, but you're new to the industry as opposed to some of the other guys we've had on the show who've been doing this for like, like three or four decades, um, before computers were a thing. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into the brokerage game, especially in the UK? Meaning after you've laid down the points of how it's a lazy, it's like type of a lazy type of thing where people just want to do as minimal as possible, but in your system, it's the opposite. What type of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get involved in the game and potentially want to come on and work for you?
1: That's a good question. Great question. The key is to be proactive. And like you said, you talked about the system there as well. Every step of our being proactive is programmed into the system. So from the minute we take a new inquiry through, how we handle it the emails the text messages go out the phone calls the level of service so we communicate to them their listing will be live within 24 hours so we're telling them nice and clear where we are all the marketing goes out all automated but for a broker point of view like I said it's being proactive and managing them through because again the process starts once we get the listing on board and I know a lot of brokers will say that but the What they're talking about is they're going to start trying to sell the business, so they start hammering the buyers that they've got, they start getting the emails out and they start getting viewings booked in. But a lot of the time, and you'll see this yourselves in the brokerage game, deals fall down because of the basics that could have been done in between listing and sales. So we're being very proactive. So what I'm offering, when we list a business now, for instance, with Agilis, within a week of that, we're offering to view their employee contracts with them to make sure that there's no clauses in there that's going to make a business fall down. Because, you know, uh, we had a business fall down in the previous business, well, the previous previous business, the business brokerage I was in, because there was no non-compete clauses in for the directors of that Uh
0: business. (laughs)
1: when we came through to due diligence and they looked at the contracts there was nothing there to hold those directors in the business once it is sold and this is the operational directors not the the company owner directors there's nothing to hold them into the business after their notice period and there was nothing there to stop them competing within a week of leaving the business but if we picked up on the non-compete issue right at the beginning of the process because this was six well seven months by the time we got to that we oh. could have issued them all notice to change their contracts while we were going through the sales process to make sure we have those clauses in, which we know is going to cause a deal to fall down.
0: Wow. Do you ever find that, there, that the, that's one of the main issues that will kind of like kill a deal? Is that the discovery and the due diligence and even the, empl- the employee contracts? Because I feel like that's a big thing is that people, people are at the top who are trying to sell the company are just focused on their exit and getting their cash and, and moving on. But they forget that they have like an entire company of employees from like the C-levels all the way down to the janitors that are on payroll and they completely forget about this stuff. And I I find, I mean, based on previous conversations we've had with other brokers on the show, this seems like it is a main deal killer. Um, How would you go about getting this to be more top of mind for your clients as opposed to having it kind of on the back burner? That's
1: it. That was exactly what you were saying. And there's a couple of reasons why we do it. One was obviously to save the deal. So within, like I said, a week, we're going back to them now to speak about the staff to build up that picture so when we're talking as brokers, we can say about how the management team can do this, the management team can do that. But a lot of the time when people come to us to sell their business, they are not thinking about their own team. They're not talk, they're not thinking that the management could actually buy them out and take the business. So then there's absolutely zero move. So I try and plant that seed into their heads very, very quickly that, you know, we'll market it because that's where we'll get the the biggest breadth of, contacts and people coming for the business and the more people we can get looking at the business the more we can drive the price up because of the competition element but we always tell them about the management aspect of it and I said and it's not just for business continuity which is it's a big part of why somebody might go down that route because they want their baby to continue how they want it to but in the UK at the moment employee owned trusts EOTs a very, very hot, very tax-efficient way of transferring the ownership of a business to your employees, which means that obviously the person exiting the business gets the biggest bite of the pie possible. So it's not just tax efficiency and sales, but it's then making sure that nothing falls down further down the line.
0: That That's very interesting. I, I, I mean, I've, I've heard of the, this concept, the EOT concept um, before, but I didn't think it would realize it's such a big thing out in the UK. I mean, it's cool. The fact that employees can actually own equity and own own a piece of the company, but at the same time, like do they really want that? Like I know, for example, with me, the guys who work for me, they're just super like one of them could be could run his own agency and and do everything himself. But he doesn't want the headache. He doesn't want the responsibility. He wants to clock out, get his work done, move on. But you know, I guess it's an opportunity for some people who want to have that stake in the game to be able to do it. And what do you mean it's tax efficient?
1: Well, I said I I won't quote it because it always changes. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, there is zero tax liabilities for an owner who transfers their business into an EOT. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, So it's it's very and like you said, this is a great way of people doing the buyout but not actually being involved in running the business because the business still stays structured, very same. There's a management team. There's all the staff that's involved in doing it and then they report into the trust that actually owns the EOT. So you while you do own a share of the business, your job is still your job.
0: That's awesome. So so you're still basically getting a paycheck in, but you have some you have limited responsibility rules.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And obviously if they do pay the dividends every year, if they're able to, then you get a share of the profits, which is the big drive in it really you know they, they still get their monthly pay they're still an employee but they share in the spoils which drives people's work a bit harder and try a bit harder and you
0: know push makes sense, makes sense to me makes a lot of sense to me um other than this what other trends have you been seeing on the rise in the uk markets for brokerage
1: it's all very, very much technology driven at the moment, Sean. Here, this is why everybody is, you know, focusing very, very much on the software and the efficiency element of the business. It's what it was even two years ago when I first started in brokerage. There was no access to CRMs for the brokers on the front line. When they were doing listings, it was all done on Word documents and sent into an office to process for them. It was slow. So if you put buyer inquiry in, for instance, by the time that got processed by the office and out to the broker, it's 48 hours plus before you get a response. So terrible. everything's getting very, very much tech driven and fast.
0: That's awesome. Would you say out of all the softwares that you've worked with, um, again, not a product plug, but would you say out of all the softwares you've worked with over your years um, and what's available in the UK markets, um, would you say that Vertica Systems is probably the best one you've dealt with?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the best. I, I benchmarked a whole lot when I was in the first brokerage business because their CRM was non existent. When I went into the second brokerage business to build a new business, again, I benchmarked a whole host of brokerage softwares. And this business, I didn't, I just came straight back to Vertica to go with this one.
0: That's awesome. I, I mean I guess in, in in why wouldn't brokerage companies want a, a CRM to work for them? Why are people like so opposed to these things and just using spreadsheets and doing and and you know pad and paper type of thing? Like I I don't understand it.
2: Josh, you want to film me hard for human beings. Human beings are naturally um stagnant. To make a move, to make a change, I see it People are extremely resistant to it upfront, but once they start transitioning, they come to me and they say, oh my God, I have been doing it wrong all these years. You have saved me half a day, every single day. All the paperwork, all the redundant emails, all the follow-up, all the automation our system gives, it's miraculous. Well, there you go. I I
0: guess that's the answer to the question. But no, it is true. Change is hard, and people don't like to adapt, even though. But there's like so much noise in the space too. Like you know, there's so many different. Like I know this for from my perspective, is that there's so many different CRMs and so many different softwares out there that claim to be like the holy grail of softwares for your for your business. But the sad thing is like they they don't do not all they they claim they do everything, but they don't do everything. And then you're still out of pocket trying to get everything all in one. And then when you're dealing with a lot of technologically inept people, like again, from the conversations we've had with other brokers, not everybody's technology savvy. So you're dealing with so many people who will have the tools, but they just don't use them because they don't know how to turn on their phone turn on their computer. Now, do you find that a lot with the people you've worked with in, in the past agencies and brokerages that you've been involved in? Do you find that a lot?
1: Yeah, that was it. Like I said, a lot of it comes down to choice and giving it or not, giving the choice. And I said, so in this business, when we came through, the choice wasn't there to use word. The choice wasn't there to you know go back to your laptop and do it. It was a case of you can sign in on the app, you can sign in on the mobile website If a client phoned you historically, again, while you're out on the road doing your appointments and things and says, can I change the price or change this in my advert, a broker will write it on the back of their hand or they'll write it on a piece of paper. Then they go back to the office and they send the email to whoever's doing the admin and they put it on. Then the next stage of that is they've started writing it down and go back to their own computer and do it on the computer. Then it's taking all those choices away and saying, the only choice you've got is to, open up the app, open up your phone, make the edit, and this is where you blow the socks off your customer because while they're on speakerphone talking to you, you're putting the edit straight in. You click publish, and then you say to them, refresh your page. You see your adverts now being edited while I'm talking to you.
2: That's awesome. And they're doing that edit in their CRM, which they're normally there anyways. And they can That's use exactly. the CRM from the front of their steering wheel while they're driving the car or at least parked on the side of the road and they have all the power right in the palm of your hands. That's it, and, That's maybe, awesome. and then
1: but then the the client thinks, geez, and then you know that gives them confidence that you will, you know, you know what you're doing because, rightly or wrongly, people you know associate you being credible and doing what you're doing with how you treat them. So if you're treating people very, very, very well, even if you're not the best broker in the world, they'll think you're great because you're giving them great service.
0: That's so funny. Well, I, I suppose as we wrap up this this awesome podcast, um, I as we're going into Q, um Q Q one, we're ending Q four, we're going into Q one. What are your goals and what are your plans and what advice would you give to brokers who are existing brokers as you end off the year? How do you generally prepare for your year end um, situations?
1: Yeah, we're already working into January because of the business that we're in now, so we're very very well-placed for what we're doing i'd say advice wise to brokers it's twofold one join me be part of this and do it two if joining me is not an option i'd say embrace technology and start giving a better better service to the clients that's that will revolutionize our business just by doing that
2: very nice somebody wants to uh, learn more about your opportunity to join your team and and well, frankly, revolutionize the uh, brokerage industry. How would they get in contact with you?
1: Okay, uh, very
2: active on LinkedIn if people want to
1: connect with me. But if you want my uh, phone number, that would be grand if I'm able to give that out. Is that okay with everybody? Too?
0: Oh, yes. You're welcome to give
1: your phone going. number, give your web address as well. Great. Yes. Well, the- web address is agilisadvisory.co.uk and my phone number which is what i do i don't put office numbers down and i don't have if it's my own personal phone number and that's 0787 210 8605 and whatsapp text call i'm always on i'm always available nice
0: i mean i just wanted to just to go back to one thing I kept thinking about is that why why do you think it is that this this whole like brokerage game in the UK is based on this lazy mentality of do min- as minimal as possible, whereas you're clearly doing the opposite and really like driving driving it home. And like, I guess that's what separates you from everybody else where everyone else is going to kind of be left in the dust where you're going to be up there. It's the same thing with the customer service aspect. Like you said it yourself, it's like, give people good quality customer service, make them feel like they're important and they will constantly, they'll keep coming back to you because I'm sure a lot of the people you're dealing with are people who are kind of like you, where they have, they're involved in multiple companies. They're doing exits on a a regular basis, semi-regular basis and if they they find someone they like doing business with and they find that the relationship is good then they're going to be able to keep coming back to you but i mean again from my perspective as a marketer relationship and relationship building and community building and these type of things are huge And if you, if you don't nurture these relationships with your customers and your clients and your prospects and pretty much everybody across the gamut, the the whole thing, then you're, you're losing so much money. It's like, it's just such a waste of time, but why do people like, is like, feel like they just can do the bare minimum.
1: Traditionally, here in the UK, everybody is born out of one of two or three businesses so if you go back 20, 30, 40, even 50 years, there'd be one main brokerage which was prevalent and it would happen to be in the Manchester area of the UK. And then from there, you can track back. Most of the big ones had dealings with those, whether they worked there or went through the door. So they all then form this habit and then they start training the habit out. So they all follow this same broken, in my opinion, model. And they keep you know building on that. they get to the point where they're making money from it anyway so they've got to question why do they need to give this service or why do they need to do all this extra stuff because they're making money anyway and then the answer is you know there's a challenger coming through which is going to make them do it because it's not going to be long before the radar starts pinging and people start seeing this new way of doing things and then you know it'll drive the market forward
0: that's so interesting. When you were running Business Monkey, were you guys like using this methodology, or were they still stuck in that, that old habit?
1: Yeah, we were in the, the middle ground, to be fair, to that business. We had a lot of uh, historic people that joined that business, so they already had their own ways of doing it, and they already had a pipeline of clients and businesses, so that was the way they were doing. And then there was this, what we were calling the new breed, which was two or three of the new franchisees that were coming through, which understood networking the understood relationship building and they understood that little bit of doing extra and not just waiting for the phone to ring you know right. actually using the phone proactively and dialing out to these people keeping in contact so yeah it was a very very mix it was right in the middle of where it should have been whereas this time like I said everybody that joins the business will be joining in
0: this new way. That's really awesome that you're like, shit, you're, you're shaking it up and you're going to piss off a lot of people. Just so you know, I'm just giving you a heads up You're You're probably going to piss off a lot of people because when, when, when you disrupt a market, I, I, I know this because I've done this several times in different industries. When you disrupt a market, people get really, really upset because they're like, Hey, why is that guy doing that? And they're like, why can't we do that? And it's like, well, you could, but you just don't. So you're going to yeah. get a lot of people upset, but you're going to, you're going to make a lot of money. That's the plan. Yeah, fair enough. All right, bro. This was a load of fun, and I know I, I forgot to I forgot to say this in the beginning, but this podcast is powered by Vertica Systems, the all in one CRM system that, as you heard Rob say, literally changed his life. It made everything a million times easier. So if you haven't come to a demo or a phone call with Josh or one of our other sales associates, you are missing out, leaving a ton of money on the table. And Rob can attest to the fact that it literally not only changed one company, but now changing another one. And it's amazing. So we'll drop a link to the demo in the show notes, along with all of Rob's contact information. If anybody is in the UK across UK and, and throughout the everywhere that you guys are, you're going to be setting up shop or just mainly in England. Um,
1: people
0: can't hold you at the moment. Okay, so if anybody's looking for a new job going into 2024 and wants to broker businesses the proper way, Rob is looking to actively hire you. That's right, you who is listening to the show right now, somewhere off in England, in the pub with with a pint and a bag of crisps. So. Fair enough. So we're going to drop Rob's contact information in the show notes as well. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Keep staying on top of trends and keep brokering businesses. I'm Sean Littman, and that's Josh Factor. And this is Rob Jones. And it's been a real pleasure. Catch you all later. Thanks for listening to another great episode of The Brokercast, powered by Vertica Systems and hosted by Sean Littman and Josh Factor. Tune in next week as we sit down with another great power hitter in the brokerage world. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on all major podcasting platforms. And to learn more about Vertica, visit www.verticacrm.com.